0: This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode 86, entitled Angels as Agents of the One True God, Part 3 of 3. This is your first time you should know that the Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about oneness and unity of god and about the humanity of jesus thank you so much for joining us today my name is dustin smith i am your host for the past few episodes we have been exploring how the old testament the hebrew bible depicts god using his angels to speak and perform tasks as we have noticed quite regularly There is what I have called a blurring of the lines between God and the angel, to the point to where angels can speak in the divine first person and even be addressed as if they are God himself. But this is not to assume that the angel and God are actually one and the same person. Rather, it is due to two crucially important points, first an angel is a messenger a representative agent in and through whom god speaks and acts thus the angel can speak as if he were god precisely because he is a designated messenger that is what angel lexically means a messenger second The ancient Near East operated under the widely held acceptance of the principle of agency, the principle of agency, wherein the one who is sent effectively functions as the one who sent him. To accept and show hospitality to a messenger in the ancient Near East is to be showing the very same behavior to the one who sent that messenger. To refuse or reject a messenger in the ancient Near East is to refuse the sender as well. We still have this principle of agency somewhat embedded in our 21st century culture for those listeners who reside in America. I can order a large pizza and 30 minutes later, if I'm lucky, the doorbell will ring. I'll answer the door and receive my pizza from... Steve, the delivery boy. But if someone were to ask me who was at the door, I could say that it was Papa John's. There is no confusion as if Papa John himself was at my door because Papa John sent his representative, Steve, the delivery boy. I find that this analogy is helpful when explaining the principle of agency to others. It's a very important principle. It was effective in the ancient Near East, and the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament need to be read within their culture's context. This week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast will continue to look at passages in the Hebrew Bible where God commissions his representative angel, that is, his messenger, to perform tasks and to speak. We should not be surprised if we continue to witness a blurring of the lines between the true God and the angel who represents the God who sent him. Our goal is to both better understand how God utilizes his heavenly angels as agents and to find an appropriate lens through which we can better understand the New Testament's Frequent depiction of God sending Jesus to speak and perform tasks. It won't be too long before we need to dip into the New Testament to see how Jesus and angels are understood vis-a-vis one another. Our first point today is looking at the wrestler and Jacob. i are going to be reading a passage from the book of Genesis, chapter 32, starting in verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh, so the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face-to-face, yet my life has been preserved. That's Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 through 30. So let's be honest and get one thing out of the way from the beginning. This is a strange story. While waiting for his brother, Jacob gets attacked by a previously unintroduced figure who resembles a human being. This unnamed person Wrestles with Jacob throughout the night, and when it came to daybreak, he had yet to defeat Jacob in this wrestling match. So the mysterious man, somewhat miraculously, injures Jacob's thigh with a mere touch. He ends up giving Jacob a new name, Israel, and blesses him. The man tells Jacob that he has striven with both men and God. And has succeeded. This comment, of course, is a reflection of Jacob's dealings in the narrative of Genesis thus far. However, Jacob does name the place Peniel, which means face of God in Hebrew, and comments that his life has been preserved after seeing God, quote, face to face. So, What is the identity of the mysterious attacker who approached Jacob in the middle of the night? Is he a human male, as verse 24 seems to indicate? Is he God, with whom Jacob spoke face-to-face, as verse 30 seems to suggest? It is also important to consider the evidence from Hosea chapter 12, a passage that directly comments on the question of who the mysterious wrestler is this passage in hosea 12 verses 3 through 4 says in the womb he jacob took his brother by the heel and in his maturity he contended with god yes he wrestled with the angel and prevailed that's hosea chapter 12 verses 3 through 4 This passage in Hosea defines the God with whom Jacob contended as an angel, a representative messenger. Granted, this is what Hosea says about the episode in Genesis, but it is not exactly what Genesis says explicitly. Genesis is confusing, but Hosea comes in and explains Genesis. So I want to keep that caveat in mind. Returning to Genesis, I, as the reader, have some questions for the narrator. If the man wrestling with Jacob was indeed God, in some theophany perhaps, how is it that God was unable to outright win a wrestling match with Jacob, who, may I remind you, didn't get any sleep at all that night? If the wrestler was a human being, how did he have the ability to disable Jacob with a mere touch to his thigh? How is it that Jacob could visibly see God face to face and live to tell the tale? Not even Moses could see God's face. The narrator of Genesis does not give good answers to my questions. It seems best after further reflection, to use the offered help from the prophet Hosea, concluding that Jacob actually wrestled with an angel who represented the one true God. This actually gives some persuasive answers to the questions that I had. There is nothing outlandish about suggesting that Jacob could go toe-to-toe with an angel in a wrestling match. And it seems more likely than suggesting that Jacob was on par with God himself in a feat of strength. It is widely known that angels look like human beings in their dealings with men. So the designation at the beginning of the Genesis account that suggested that the wrestler was a man plausibly fits here. Angels elsewhere in scripture are able to disable human beings. Think of Luke chapter 1 with the angel disabling Zechariah's speech. Lastly, one could easily look at the face of an angel, even an angel who represents the true God, and still live to tell the tale. All in all, I think Hosea's suggestion is the best option we have regarding the identity of Of the mysterious person who wrestled with Jacob. This appears to be another passage where there is a blurring of the lines between God and an angel who also happens to look human. Our second point today is looking at God's angel who carried out the smiting. I'm going to look at a passage that goes from the end. Of Exodus 32 and on into the beginning of Exodus chapter 33. So I'll start in Exodus 32 verse 34 and continue reading for a few verses. But go now, lead the people where I told you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I punish, I will punish them for their sins. Then Yahweh smote the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron had made. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, Depart! Go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. That is Exodus chapter 32, verses 34 through chapter 33, verse 2. This account is actually two episodes connected with an appropriate transition. The first story comes at the end of the golden calf incident, and the second story moves into something new. But both stories involve an angel acting as God's emissary. I'll be dealing with this section, even though there are actually two separate angel passages here. In Exodus 32, God commands Moses to lead the people, and God reminds him that, quote, my angel, end quote, will go before you. In regard to the question as to whether this angel, which belongs to God, Is a human messenger or a heavenly messenger we can safely say that this messenger is distinguished from Moses since this messenger will go before you and that you there is second person singular in Hebrew this angel will presumably even lead Moses himself so all in all this is likely a heavenly messenger not likely a human messenger Even though God is sending the angel to lead the Israelites, it will actually be God himself who punishes. In other words, this text seems to make sure the reader knows that despite using a closely related messenger, text says, my angel, God can make it clear when he himself is enacting justice the passage immediately notes how God smote the disobedient Israelites. So, while God can clearly operate in and through a representative angel, he is perfectly capable of functioning on his own, apart from an angel. As we move on into chapter 33, God promises to send an angel before the Israelites as they make their way to the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. However, God will be driving out the pagan nations from among the Israelites, using the first person singular, I will drive out. So God sends forth the angel and God drives out the nations. This is likely God working through his angel as the principle of agency Would have us believe. God commissions a messenger and God drives out the nations through that representative messenger. Our third point today is entitled, Who Brought the Israelites Out of Egypt? Our passage comes from Numbers chapter 20, verse 16, which says, But when we cried out to Yahweh, he heard our voice and sent an angel and He brought us out from Egypt. Numbers 20, verse 16. This is an interesting but not unexpected passage. Formally, we are told that God is the one who brought the Israelites out of Egypt. On occasion, we even see Moses being the one who brought them out of Egypt, although it is understood that Moses acted in the capacity of a prophet in and through whom God was ultimately working. This passage in Numbers 20, verse 16, seems to indicate that God commissioned an angel and that angel is the one who brought the Israelites out of Egypt. Effectively, there isn't much of a difference to say that God rescued Israel or God's angel rescued Israel because The angel acts as the representative emissary through whom the redeeming action has taken place. Granted, the subject of the verb brought us out in this passage, which says, he heard our voice and sent an angel and brought us out of Egypt, is grammatically ambiguous. Is it God who brought them out? since God is the clear subject of the first two verbs, the verbs being heard our voice and sent an angel? Or does the representative angel, who is the nearest antecedent to the verb brought us out, function as a subject? In other words, is the passage saying that Yahweh heard our voice, Yahweh sent an angel, and that angel brought us out of Egypt? since the angel is the closest subject to the verb brought us out. Both options are grammatically possible, meaning God could be the one who brought the Israelites out, or the angel could have been the one who brought the Israelites out. But I tend to think that it is the angel who is the assumed subject of the verb bringing them out. The angel brought them out as a representative of the true God, as all of God's messengers effectively do. So, in conclusion, we have observed that the Hebrew Bible regularly portrays angels as representative emissaries of the one who sent them. In the case of God sending an angel, that angel can act, speak, and be spoken to as if he was God himself. We first noted in the Wrestling with Jacob story that angels often appear as human beings and can even be confused as men. However, they can speak on God's behalf, and those with whom they speak can refer to the angels as if they were talking to God. Jacob stated that he spoke with God face-to-face, even though he was speaking with God's representative angel. This sort of blurring of the lines between God and the angel is possible because of the nature of an angel as a messenger, as well as the principle of agency widely known in the ancient Near East. Second, we noted that God sent his angel to lead the Israelites, but God could say that it was he himself who was smiting the enemies. This is likely God working in and through this representative angel, God's agent. Lastly, we noted that the book of Numbers probably indicates that God sent an angel and that angel is the one who brought the Israelites out of Egypt. Of course, the redemption and rescue would ultimately be attributed to God, the one true God. But God can work through heavenly angels to perform his saving tasks, just as God can work through the human being Moses. In our three-episode study of angels functioning as agents of the one true God, we noted a regular practice of blurring the lines between God the sender and the angel as the one sent to the point to where the commissioned angel acts and speaks as if he was God. This is due to the principle of agency rather than assuming that God and this angel are one and the same person. It is this takeaway that we can better understand how agency functions in the New Testament, where the most common object of God's sendings is none other than Jesus of Nazareth. Next week, we will look into the New Testament to ask whether the earliest Christians regarded Jesus as a heavenly angel. Hopefully, you'll tune in for that episode as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you are a regular listener, thanks for supporting the podcast. And if this is your first time, welcome. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future episodes. If you would like to support the podcast, please check out this episode's description for a link to donate. Again, my name is Dustin Smith. Until next time, you folks, please take care.